seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 9-8 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of things that affect people at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 98 amazing episodes, I have my same dude by my side, Brian Allen. How is it going today, dude? We're at 98. We have an almost perfect rating in just about any sports game. <laughs> That's true. You know what? In 98, this was an easy one. I didn't even have to look this up for our one of our last two that we get to do. Uh, I guess athletes that we represent by number. We got the great Mike Ditka. Oh, that's right. Ditka. Yep. The Bears. <laughs> I was like, that's one that I think people would easily recognize and appreciate. So I figured we'll, we'll roll with Dika. I don't even have to, to go too far down that rabbit hole. Well, the, the, the older folks will. These young pups are good because sadly it's been a long time since Dika was coaching. So. Well, that's true. If you're if you're from Chicago or the Midwest, you probably yeah, still Chicago. know. But anywhere else, you may not know if you're under probably like age 30-ish. <laughs> But yeah, before we get into things, I want to remind everybody, we do have a show sponsor that you should check out and support, Cardsphere.com. They're a great website to buy and sell stuff at the price you want. If you got some cards sitting around you need to move and you need a little extra money for some of those upcoming sets, especially with two Innistrad sets coming this fall and winter, that's a way to move some cards, get you a little money in your pocket. You should check them out over at Cardsphere.com. Also, if you want to support the show, you can go over to Patreon.com slash Color of Magic. For just a couple bucks, you can help us keep the lights on. Honestly, just help making us happy and let you know, let us know you appreciate what we're doing. Because there's sometimes we we put some stuff together, put some things out there, and we never know what the response is or how people are going to take some of it. So believe me, we appreciate that every single month. And if you want to get some play mats and tokens for yourself, you can go over to colorofmtg.com slash shop. We can take care of you, get stuff to you wherever you are in the world discounts on shipping and whatnot included all right so this week man we had a lot of things oh my gosh we had a lot of things more things than we even knew what to cover on this episode so it's going to be a, a little bit of something here so we're going to get into it a couple of these are going to be some good ones and oh man this one i gotta tell you so i this one comes with a story so I'm I'm looking around and I'm always looking to just like buy random nerd things, magic cards, whatever. And I do some like dabbling and buying and selling and trading. And I find somebody's got a decent deal. But I'm like, eh, it's a little bit sketch. But you know, sometimes people are in a hurry listing stuff or whatever. So I ask a few questions. Dude wants so much cash and like a little bit on like a, a Google Play gift card or whatever, because he's got his kids and they just play games or wherever he wants to get them something. I'm like, all right, that's fine, whatever. I got to come to your place and pick up the cards, whatever. So I we go through the effort. I get it picked up. Not a big deal. But honestly, I'm aware of scams. And a lot of times, scamming on cards is like the easy, easiest thing for people because it's harder to track once it's been used and everything else. And, you know, it's harder to refund and all that mess. So we're going back and forth. And the dude starts getting kind of shady and then he kind of wants the card, 
info and i'm like well oh, cool i'll just give it to you when i get there whatever i'm on the road blah blah you know and he's like pressing for whatever so at that point i instantly know it's a scam like because nobody needs the the card information that badly when i'm all of like 15 minutes away so we go back and at this point i'm kind of just like dragging at this point i actually pull over and i'm just sitting there because he got me on a day where i got some time on my hands so that's the best time for me when I get a scare because I do this to other people online. If I get random emails like if I end up having like an hour to kill, <laughs> it's going to be a bad time for a scammer. So I'm like, OK, cool. So I'm asking some questions and I'm like, well, dude, how do I even know I'm at the right house? Right. And he's like, well, you know, you should say I'm like, that's not what's out front. Like, and so I'm not even at the house. I'm just like asking around because I'm like he would immediately snap back if this wasn't a scam. Right. So it wasn't even that. It was just random excuse. And I was like, ah, see, I knew what's up. So then I'm like, well, OK, well, I'm going to try to come around. I may be a little like there's an accident. So it's slowing me up a little bit, like doing the whole nine yards. And then when I get there or actually he thinks I got there, he's still, well, I need you to give me the number first because I got the kids and I need to like get them busy because I don't want them around strangers with like the covid. and everything. I'm like, well, you can just bring the stuff outside. I don't care. You know, like that's fine. It's like, well, you know, I don't want to bring him out into the weather. I'm like, it's the weather's fine. Like, you know. So eventually, after like an hour of literally back and forth sparring about like, well, I need the card number to like, well, I ain't giving you the card number until I got some proof of something. To him being mad that I'm wasting his time. <laughs> and I'm like, that is one of the funniest things to me. That multiple times when I have dealt with scammers, their default is being mad that I wasted their time. And I'm like, one, I, that's not going to help you close this deal any better. Even if you think the deal has gone, like you can't salvage it by just being mad at me. So that's already just bad scammer etiquette. Like you're a terrible con man. Bad like, scammer etiquette. That's going to be the new name of my poison cover band. Bad there scammer you go. etiquette. But I'm just saying, like, you, how is it? Like, that's, you know what that is? That's like when the dudes are hitting on chicks and then they like, reject them or whatever and then they start calling them names or whatever i'm like that ain't gonna like fix your situation that's the second time somebody has referenced that to me in about 24 hours and yes that is default yeah. lame dude setting is like you was ugly anyway well i was trying to holler <laughs> yeah, exactly like it just it doesn't like that mentality is so weird because like you you aren't going to make this better by just being mad but the reality is the scammers are absolutely wasting somebody else's time and trying to take their money and it's like, and you're going to be mad at somebody else because they didn't just let you magically have their money for nothing in return? Like, for real? And that happens a lot. Like, this is probably the 10th or 11th time I've had that happen. Now, there's a couple of times the smart ones just go radio silent when they're like, obviously, you're on to me, whatever. And then they just go away. But I'll be honest. The only reason I do it is so I'm tying up that person longer so they're not going after somebody else. Like, that's the whole reason I do it. Like if I get and even when I get the I get a phone number and it's like oh possible scam call I literally answer it and just set my phone aside because my thought is even if I had to tie them up for an extra thirty seconds to a minute that's some amount of time they're not going after somebody else because yep. like I'm smart enough to to watch out for things I know what's going on but like these people are going after random college kids with no experience they're going after mm -hmm. old people that don't understand technology. They're taking advantage of, especially right now, people that have lost their jobs or whatever, and they're just looking for a little bit of a come up, you know, like they just don't care. And they have the audacity to be mad whenever somebody else gets them at their own game.
Like, man, F all that. Like, them people, like, lo and behold, though, the dude didn't get the gift card. I still have it. I'll probably just be cashing because I do use enough stuff online with Google and Android stuff anyway. So whatever. Like, the money wasn't even the big issue. Just like once I realized the thing, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to give this dude a hard time. I'm, I'm going to make it make it worth it for me. So, yeah, no remorse for any of those people. Not a one. All right, Brian, I, I heard you got something else, too, because this this was an interesting week. Yeah. Uh, as, as we mentioned on the show, I believe it was a dinner table talk a couple of weeks ago. The, the hate raids are still going on on Twitch. If anything, <laughs> they're getting worse instead of better. Twitch promises us they're working on it, but they can't tell us what they're working on. Yep. So we've been kind of waiting, you know, okay, what big content creator or streamer is going to say anything about this? And Osmond Gold, or Osmond Gold, I forget how it's pronounced, but anyway, he entered the chat, and yeah, he probably is wishing he hadn't said anything now. Because basically he said that he wasn't going to take part in the day off Twitch, and I should explain that for people that hadn't heard. A lot of streamers that have gone through this, are going to actually try to take a day off of Twitch September 1st as kind of a boycott to get some kind of attention and maybe some actual action from Twitch on this. But Asmongold said he's not going to do it because there aren't enough big streamers doing it. His, his exact quote is there's 20 streamers that nobody has heard of. You know, nobody gives an F. It's not going to do anything. So this is quickly somebody, you know, asked, hey, you obviously know about it because you're talking about it. You're a big name streamer. Why don't you participate in it? And here we start going round and round circular logic with, uh, well, you know, I would if some other big name streamer did it, but no other big streamers are doing it. So I'm not going to do it. Be a leader, not a follower, dog. Right? Like lead, follow, or get the F out the way. That's it. He said he would do it in a heartbeat if every other big streamer decided to take part because he's a firm believer in power and numbers. Oh, by the way, he also, one of the other Asmund Gold-related headlines, says he's considering Twitch. So if that's true, there's literally no skin off of his nose for joining a protest. I don't even If you're out the door logic. in a month or two anyway, who are you worried about taking off? I, I just I don't, don't get that logic. Like... I can't count the number of things I have supported or helped or whatever that weren't huge, that I don't have a giant platform. Hell, our show's not even the biggest podcast probably in, in, in the magic space, much less the gaming right. space, but we still take up issues and causes and support people and whatever. Cause, yeah, because we believe it. It, it, it. Out of all his excuses or reasoning, at no point did he mention, hey, you know, I, I hope that my marginalized friends figure it None of that. <laughs> None of those are the talking points. It's all also, about, well, what other streamers are doing. You know, his other, his other problem that he didn't even realize he's admitting to there is that most of the top 20, top 50 biggest streamers are not streamers of color. Right. And not it people he's aware not of. Because it hasn't affected them at all. Yeah. Therein is part of the problem. A, a large part of the problem. Because as we've been saying for, at this point, months, if this was happening on Ninja Stream every night, <laughs> Pokemon insert, you know, other cont large content creator here, something might get done. Yeah, for sure. But because I, it's primarily happening to, as he says, smaller streamers, we're just not seeing the action. And, and 
I've read so many horror, horror stories about people, you know, trying to get somebody larger than them that they might have contact with to get involved and just nobody can get anybody that has a quote unquote large audience off of the fence. Hmm. It's frustrating. It's so frustrating. And let In me, addition to. Let me add to your story here that there is, I discovered this last week that there are Twitch I guess, commander root bots that you can go in and mass block all the known bots on Twitter and known accounts. So I went in and tried to use their Twitch tools. And this is not exaggerating because I wanted to see how difficult it is using their thing. When I went to block all of the known bots on Twitter, and these are ones that people have submitted from like hate raids and problematic stuff or whatever. There were almost 400,000 of them. Good using, Lord. using their service, I literally had to run it for almost four days, three and a half days, till it was able to process all of them. Like, and it's not like it's a it's a bad machine or anything. I stream with it. I do everything. This is literally just because that's all their website and their tools could even handle at a time. And I'm sure I wasn't the only one doing it. Right. So like that when people say like, ah, oh, it's not that big a deal and whatever, it's a problem. Hell, we had that one person. I wish I would have kept his name. Like he did a video showing how he had to set up a script for just the word jogger because it's similar letters to another word people like to use. Yeah. And he, he created the script to use every Arabic letter or character. So it had everything with an accent, a tilde, whatever, that people would use. Because they're basically using every version of the letter O, every version of the letter G, right? So just for the letters and the word, J-O-G-E-R. To use every variant, he had to run a script that ran over 2 million permutations of words. And when people are online saying like, oh, well, you should just set your bots to block it and you should just have good moderators and whatever, like, bruh, like, it's not Again, realistic. Small streamers in, in most cases. So you got maybe one to two mods trying to knock down thousands of bots. Yeah. Like, it's not realistic. Now, there are a bunch of features, and people have shown how you can set up a stream deck to automatically shut things down and send it to an ad to kind of get that off your screen. And, like, there's there's things, but it's like everything is basically... The, all the answers right now on Twitch are basically things that say you have to disrupt your stream or you have to effectively, in some manner, shut down your chat. Like, that, those are your options. Oh, and by the way, if you don't clear the, the racist comments and slurs fast enough, you can be reported. Multiple people have been banned from Twitch for things that bots were doing as part of a hate raid. Yeah, I've heard about that happening. I don't. I haven't heard about one recently, but I've heard that happening, is like, I guess, like six months ago or so. That happened to uh, somebody. There, it apparently happened to somebody that I saw on Twitter, I think, about a week ago. Yeah, so, yeah that and unfortunately that's just dumb. is still happening. So yeah, it's 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 a problem for real. And I get it. If it doesn't happen to you or you're not one of the groups or the spaces it happens in and you don't see it that often, I totally understand how you don't know that it's a thing or don't think it's a thing. But it is point, definitely happening. 
Yeah, at this point, I hope everybody that at least knows enough about Twitch to be a streamer knows about it, that it's happening. It's for real. And let's put it in perspective. Yeah, yeah. Like, my channel's not huge. Like, last night, I had, I don't know, I could probably average like 90 viewers, which is a good size, but I'm not a huge channel by any stretch. And if it's happened to me, imagine if you have a black streamer, a woman, a transgender streamer, whatever, who's got a thousand viewers or 5,000 viewers. Like, you know what's happening to them on the regular. And they are still trying to succeed despite all of that. But you know what? We're going to touch on that a little bit more on the dinner table, too. So we'll we'll come back to this. And we're still waiting for, you know, a big content creator to say something that hopefully will be useful about it. All right, Brian, let's talk about the interesting things from last week before we get into the down and dirty of this week. Yeah. So what did you learn? Well, uh, the big news in the world of wrestling, CM Punk has returned and anybody that that was saying this guy didn't move the needle anymore has learned absolutely how wrong they are about that. AEW did, I think, with double or more than double its rating from the previous few weeks. It was trending everywhere on every form of social media. And even, you know, the great Jim Cornette, a notorious AEW hater, acknowledged like, this segment was incredible and he doesn't see any way it could have been done better. Uh, I, I could think of a few things that could be done better, but it was still a good segment. Still made them a lot of money. Uh, I will say this though. I, I think it made sense for CM Punk to be, to draw that big because I think he, and I, I've told you before, I'm not a big fan, but I do understand how much fandom he has behind him. And he was kind of one of the last, what I would say, big names or draws that haven't wrestled in a while. Yeah. So, you know, because anybody else like The Rock, like, yeah, but they just did the thing with Cena a few years ago or whatever. And like, like Austin is the only one, but we know Austin's not coming back. He's other than maybe in a speaking role, but like he's physically not in the shape to wrestle. And even when The Rock comes back, you know, he's going to be here to promote Jungle Cruise or whatever movie. And then he's gone again for, you know, a year or two. Exactly. And, And I think that's the thing around CM Punk. Like even even if he's not great in the ring anymore, which we don't know. We'll find out in the next couple of weeks, but even if he's not, he will still be a solid draw for a few months, regardless, just on name alone, people being excited to see him. People who maybe never got to see him wrestle in person are going to buy tickets, you know, and they're going to be there. And, and that's huge. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to that. And honestly, if you look at, you know, pro wrestling's Mount Rushmore, the only one you would consider that's good in the ring would be Ric Flair. Hogan was a quote-unquote terrible wrestler, but he was very popular because he was, he was it was a mystique. It was Hogan. He was a Stone performer, Austin, but not a great wrestler. Yeah, Stone Cold yeah. Steve Austin. By the time he you know hit the Stone Cold Steve Austin stride, his legs were <laughs> his legs were almost useless to it. So it was more about the character than it was, and he was delivering these incredible matches. Hmm. I, I'm I'm willing to say because he has some good matches in there though. I, I but I get what you're saying though. Not of the caliber that people would normally call a worker in the ring. Yeah, 
And WWF style is different than yeah. lots of other places, obviously. For sure. Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't even know who I'd have on my Mount Rushmore of wrestling. That's a, that's a good question. I'd have to really think about that. Because that's hard. I don't even know who I'd, I'd put on that. Because there, there's an argument to be made for quite a few people, I think. And when you only get four. Yeah. Whew, I don't know. I think it'd be, we'd have to like define criteria. <laughs> and then I think I could right. probably pick something. Out of we, blue, we may go into that different. one week uh, when we, <laughs> yeah. if we, if we have a slow week, which this ain't it. This ain't it. Yeah. Speaking of which, I had decided, because I'm going through my clothes and I'm like kind of clearing some stuff out. I'm going to donate a bunch of things. And uh, obviously, you know, I'm not donating underwear, but I decided I do want to replace some. And I was like, you know what? Let me ask around and just have an open, candid conversation about boxer briefs. Because I'm sure there's something out there I don't know about. And turns out I asked on Twitter and I got way more responses than I thought I was going to get. Like, one, credit to dudes for being open about talking about their underwear. But people were like passionate about some of them. Like, nah, these are the ones I buy. These are the best. I tried these once. I don't buy anything else. You know, like. And I found out there are like, man, I don't know. There must be like 40 brands out there that are known that are quality for making boxer briefs. I mean, it's a product that people use every day. So it figures, you know, people would have opinions. Yeah. And they and they come. I mean, I knew there were different price levels, but I mean, you can get stuff that's like five for like 10 bucks or whatever, all the way up to like $50 a pair. And people had everything in between. So Wait, fit, whew, it was, it was yeah, there's, there's some pricey ones out there. So Scrooge McDuck draws, good lord. And then there was a whole discussion where like me undies jumped in the chat. So like I don't know, I'm kind of trying to court them for a sponsorship now. <laughs> like, it was it was a weird thing, man. And and that just reminded me of just sometimes we do a lot of work and planning and prepping and editing and whatever on all these different things we do. And they just don't catch fire. People don't interact with them, whatever. But when people are like, you just ask a random question like that. And all of a sudden it's just like top level engagement. It's crazy. But yeah, so I don't know, maybe I'll get a few different ones. I'll review them. And I don't know. I don't know what to do. I have this pile of information. I feel like I got to do something with it now. <laughs> like I always feel bad when I just like discover this whole world of a thing. And obviously it's a discussion. It's like, well, what do I do with this now? I can't just let this information go. So now it's another project I don't need, but I now have. So we'll see. That's very much what happened to me. You know, auditioned for what seems like a million TV shows, comedy gigs. What are my most successful projects? I bet you, you know, playing Raw Deal. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, of course, our Alexander Rapper YouTube channel. That's my wife's idea. And we didn't think about anything like that for 20 years of our marriage almost. Yeah, I should have put both of y'all in charge of my career years ago. <laughs> Dude, I've told you before, I, I wouldn't mind being a manager for somebody. I've actually thought about that, being a long-term, like, you know, late-life job, because I think that would just be entertaining. But yeah, let's go ahead and move into the, uh, we will call this the grim down and dirty this week, because, man, they were, yeah. there was some, some stuff to talk about. So that's one of the things we you always hate to hear about. There were sexual assault allegations 
and not even just from one source, but two sources this week. And one of them is pretty well known in the tabletop community who goes by the name of Greg Spence. Uh, people may know him because he owns the Broken Token, which is a company that makes uh, mostly known for making inserts for board games and stuff so you can better organize your things. But uh, man, the woman that came out with the allegations, there was a hell, yeah, hell of a story. Ashley Taylor, she's a, a now former employee of the Broken Token. Yeah, uh, this is another one of those ones that seems like it was going on for a while. She was kind of trapped. It was a case of him being in charge and, you know, lording her job over her. You know, it, it's all around bad. I mean, there's a medium post. And yes, you can imagine it is difficult to read. Yeah, it's, it's not cool. Sexual assault, abuse, stalking. Yeah, I mean, it checks all the boxes. I mean, all of them, which is wild. But not only that, this dude proved that he has never had even a basic lesson in public relations. He came out with the, I don't even know how you describe it. It, it was a statement. I can say that. Yeah, it, it, I guess it, just by <laughs> technically the definition of a statement, it is one. But he, but he came out and basically said, yeah, I'm aware of those allegations and we're going to deal with that or whatever. But I just want you to know we're aware, still trying to do our part. And the other things you may hear in the coming weeks, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa, you're just going to admit to that, too? And we don't even know about yeah, stuff yet. Just, been, oh, and by the way, he was married. This is a this is an affair. <laughs> That's true too. I had like add that layer to it. Multiple terrible decisions. And and again, he is the CEO of the company, forcing himself on his employees and trying to say this is consensual, but it wouldn't just for anybody that might <laughs> that might want to defend this, when you are the CEO and you have control over pretty much Everybody in the building's job, nothing by definition is consensual. Everybody feels like, as she said, she he, she was told her job was on the line. Yeah, the minute that comes up, nothing is consensual. Like, there's no way. No way. Like, if you threaten somebody with their job to not interact with you in any manner, that situation is no longer consensual. Like there's there's literally no middle ground there. So yeah, I don't know. That that whole thing, and it's and it's tough, right? Because it's another one of those situations where there's there's people who've worked with them, people who have made like partnership deals, and obviously they're all uncomfortable with all this. There's several of them. Sounds like they're gonna not be doing business with them anymore. Yeah, but, the publishers of Gloomhaven, uh Ultimate Werewolf and Blades in the Dark are among the people who have understandably terminated their relationship with the broken token yeah it's it's an ugly situation man and the, and the thing that makes these situations bad is that there are employees who sound according to her sounds like they were doing all the right things and it sucks because they have a crappy boss and now they're all going to be caught in the crossfire so i'm hoping maybe one of these other companies in the space or another board game company or maybe reaches out and hopefully tries to hire some of their folks or something because this could have some very bad effects on a lot of people who unfortunately sound like they're nice people and really 
they had nothing to do with any of this. You just got a crappy person as a boss. Yeah, it sounds the company has done great work. So hopefully there's a way to, as you said, save their jobs and just <laughs> jettison Craig Spence. Yeah, it's it's terrible, man. Like, but yeah, like I said, that statement just the dude basically all but admitted that that yeah. stuff happened because he tried to play the consent card <laughs> and then just rolled out, like I said, toward the end of it. I was like, yeah, and this other stuff you're probably going to hear in the coming days. And it was like, whoa, <laughs> like, yeah, it's like nobody had said. I, mean, I think one of the articles mentioned that there might be more allegations, but he just, yeah, yeah I, I didn't do this. And any of the other things you're going to hear coming up, I didn't do those either. Like, oh, yeah. I was just like, damn, dude, you, you just laid it out there. So even if anybody had a shadow of a doubt, you just now made it way worse. Yeah, he started with zero credibility and then just kept moving downward. And that's, I guess, going to be a running theme as we talk about our other set of allegations. Well, yeah, that's true. You you uh, hit me to another person who, I guess, in the YouTube space had some stuff pop up as well. But, yeah, like we said, this has just been one of the some weeks where we're trying to figure out we're going to talk about in some weeks by, you know, by the time we finish one podcast, the next one is put together. This was one of those weeks. Uh, the, uh, a YouTuber that goes by the name of Heavenly Controller. Uh, this, is, this is, this is again, t- tough. Uh, it's all the warnings about sexual assault and things along those lines. But a young woman, has a cosplayer, has basically said that while uh, under the legal drinking age of 21, uh, Heavenly Controller compelled her to consume alcohol and then uh, basically forced himself on her mm. and as, as with the previous situation now these are these are allegations we have not talked to any of these people but yeah what we have heard so far sounds really bad and again making things worse another youtuber uh by the name of long beach griffey is he he's trying to defend his friend and he is doing an absolutely miserable job and sounds like basically confirming what's being alleged yep he's like i said he's being his al sharpton like i said when i i get in trouble i don't want that dude anywhere near me i'll just go down with my own ship effort i don't need your yeah. help griffey does you know comedy sketches in addition to giving his reactions on anime and things for some godforsaken reason this man thought it was a good idea to do a comedy sketch which i believe was entitled how feminists claim sexual assault Again, a comedy sketch about a sexual uh, assault that he is basically admitting he's a material witness in, in case it goes to court, which is an absolute possibility. I yeah. Just, now, somebody talked to him. He realized he should take that video down immediately, but you can't delete the Internet. That You know what? My problem is, like, one, it's already a tough topic to even put into a comedy routine. Like, yeah. you have to be very good to make that even work. And it has to have a good punchline that's going to be taking shots at the person who's the villain for it to even work. But when you are part of the situation, you and need to stay damn well away from that content. Yeah. And that's then crazy. Griffey has tried to release statements on social media saying, yeah, okay, we're dealing with the situation, but we should. And these are, let me clarify, his words saying that we should hold victims accountable when they don't verbally say no bruh just yeah that's that's the most ludicrous thing i've heard 
and the a fact wife. that that came out of your mouth and you thought it would rally people to your cause. Like, I don't understand at all how you think that's okay. Like, because like, like because somebody didn't say no, it's okay. Like, that's effectively what he's saying. Doing, you know, it's just <laughs> how not to be a, a serial sexual assaulter. Yeah, that's, that's it, it nuts. Yeah, I mean, it, I can't even like seriously. Like, I'm in that. I'm for real having my like my white girl wasted moment right now. I'm for real. I just can't even. Like, I'm just like, dude, really? Like, how? Uh, like, I feel that's just so exasperated at that. Like, I know it just like, this every week. It seems like we have one of these stories. Guys, just I, stop. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's frustrating. It's just, this is, as we say, we want to be talking about the games that we want to play and, you know, the, at some point, the events that will be coming up. But every week there's somebody, or in this case, multiple idiots doing things that make our hobbies less safe for women, you know, for people to come. Just, let, me, let me say I, this. When it comes to any possibility that somebody may not be interested in that activity with you. The easiest way to think about it is when you decide to engage, if it is not an F yeah, it's a hell no. Right. That's it. Like, and, and I'm serious about it. Like when me, me and my wife started dating, like they were, and we, we've been with the other for a little while at this point. The first time she even got tipsy, I was like, uh, I don't know, you know, like, yeah, let's talk about it in the morning. Right. Cause it was the first time. And I'm like, I don't know. Like we were, we like, or even then somebody had been on like, let's make sure this is an okay situation when you're sober and we can talk about like this scenario. So like, I couldn't imagine with somebody I wasn't even that close with, like, and I've walked away from me. I've been in a bar before and somebody's come over tipsy and we've been talking. I'm like, nah, how about we just exchange numbers or whatever? And I just call you tomorrow. Right. Like, you know, like, I literally, that's the best way I've ever heard it described. If somebody is not enthusiastically interested, then just take it as a no and move on. And then it, maybe it's not even a, a no forever. Maybe it's a no right now or whatever. But like, you do not engage in that situation. Like, if somebody is not enthusiastic to participate, doesn't need to be going down. And the fact that we got dudes trying to claim you know, consent when you use their job as a threat, you know, you got somebody else saying, well, the victims need to be held accountable if they don't the say no. <laughs> like, know, just ludicrous on its face. Yeah. Like, come on y'all like for real. And I, and just FYI from a comedian, don't do comedy sketches about sexual assault when you're involved. It's just, you know, yeah, could you could you imagine like a Bill Cosby coming out now trying to do something Actually, like that? Actually, Bill like, Cosby did do that before. And I bet you that didn't prison. go over well. It did not. Exactly. <laughs> like, and like, you just, damn. it was a surreal moment where you're like, is this even happening right now? Did Bill Cosby just make a rape joke? No. I believe the opinion the show should have been stopped right there. But For real. Bill Cosby, they didn't. Like, damn, y'all. Like, that's just, it's a mess. It's a mess. There's it's already bad enough that we have these people in our communities doing these things. 
But when they're just putting it out, like they're so brazen yeah. about it that they're making those type of statements. Right. And guess what? It, if if one of the greatest comedians who ever lived can't make that work, you, a YouTuber, cannot make that work. And, you know, like I, I've told you before, I have a theory that bad guys are going to do bad guys things. Right. Yeah. Even when I had a business, I like I assume some people are going to try to shoplift from me or whatever. Right. That's just part of life. But when they feel so empowered to make these types of statements publicly thinking they're fine. That's the biggest problem of all. Because they didn't in any point think that the words they were saying were going to be viewed negatively. That there is a situation, community, mood, whatever, that leaves them in a situation to feel like, well, this is perfectly okay for me to post out here. Yeah. Like, that's what we got to get rid of. People should like not R. feel Kelly comfortable saying that type of stuff. For- Asking him about being a rapist. Oh, and oh my God. Don't even get me started on R. Kelly. He had news yeah. this week, too. His trial apparently has some stuff going on. Just, oh, yeah. That's a whole man. All right. Let's, yeah, let's move on to something else. Off the rails. We just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, you've been doing a lot of Madden 22 stuff. I've been watching some of your videos, been coming up on YouTube as you've explored that. So, how's that going down? Because I think it just released last week, right? Yeah, uh, we this is a, it's in full release now. There was a, a ten hour trial before the, before that. Madden just even when they do things wrong, you know, EA has a hard even do things right. They have a hard time, you know, not doing things wrong at the same time. There's apparently an issue on Xbox with the ten hour trial because for those of you that don't have the or haven't upgraded to the Series S or Series X yet, basically there's a quick access feature. Where it just you're you're allowed to pick up your game essentially right where you left off. Like rather than waiting for Overwatch to load, I push a button and it skips you know loading screen and all of that. That's a great feature, but it looks yeah, like that's cool. it play well with the trial. So a lot of people logged out with the, of their ten hour trial, came back and they're oh you you finished playing, you don't have any more hours. Like I played thirty minutes. What are you talking about? That happened to apparently millions of people. <laughs> so you got mm. that. That sucks. When you can't even get the trial right. And then apparently they're being made to, or not even made. PlayStation, as we know from the Cyberpunk situation, is they're very, you know, free about giving refunds if enough people say, hey, this game didn't do what it was supposed to do. So they apparently are giving out a lot of uh, free, you don't give you a free game. They give you PlayStation Store credit if you bought it digitally. If you take it back or at the store, I guess, <laughs> to take it back. And overall, the reviews are trending around six, seven. So most people are saying that this doesn't feel like anything you should buy a new Xbox or PlayStation for. I would absolutely agree with that assessment. Uh, how does it feel? Because, like, you know, we all saw the stories of last year on Madden about how they didn't even upgrade some of the stadiums and the backgrounds and still had stuff used from the previous years. Like, how does this one feel with, like, new features, new options, all that? I will say the momentum meter, and I guess let me explain that. You know, it, it kind of comes from the NCAA series, if any of you played those games. The, the more good plays you make, there's a meter at the top of the screen that keeps filling up. And once it gets all the way full, there's going to be some crazy effect like, hey, 
your receiver buttons are going to go away or the whole building is shaking. You can't, your receiver might call the wrong audible, run the wrong way. That is awesome. That's a feature that should have been in the game years ago because, again, it was an NCAA 14. So they should have stolen that from that series years ago. That's a great feature. That's, I think, probably my favorite new thing about the game. But yeah, there are a whole bunch of new glitches. There's one uh, where, as, as you may know, the Raiders moved to Vegas. There yeah. are up there some parts of the game where they're still referred to or abbreviated as the Oakland Raiders. If you make NFL games for a living, that's the kind of thing you know you shouldn't miss. <laughs> and hey, one of the teams moved to a whole other state. Yeah, that's tough. I would normally say like it's one of those things that if it happened in the middle of production or got announced, that's one thing. But like everybody kind of knew the Vegas move was coming. Yeah, there's apparently also a clip that's circulating where uh, Tua, Tan- I'm gonna massacre his last name, Tua Tanja Paloa, I believe. Tagiolova, yeah, yeah, the dude, there in the go. quarterback for <laughs> you said it right, I for the Dolphins. Yeah, he's uh, throwing the ball with the wrong hand. Again, if you make football games for a living, these are not the things you're supposed to miss. Yeah, that's So, yeah, fair. I would say 6.5, 7 out of 10 is probably a fair rating. Yeah, so I would say a 6.5 or a 7 out of 10 is probably the right rating. If you want to go to a 5, I'm not going to fist fight you about it. There's a lot that's new and fun. They actually also finally did something with franchise modes if you're a big especially if you don't care to play multiplayer and a lot of people don't if you just want to play franchise mode maybe you want this one because apparently they've made a lot of upgrades to franchise mode and you know a cheap plug you can check out my youtube channel out uh dl caesar and see if madden is something you want to try to buy this year sounds pretty cool man because like i said like you're saying there's things about like franchise mode that hadn't been upgraded in like I don't know, seven seasons or something like a lot of those little features, I think. But sadly, it feels like it also kind of took the community getting upset to the I mean, literally being lambasted publicly, you know, on so many forums for them to kind of light a fire under their their crew at Tiburon or whatever that studio to really make some upgrades on Madden. And we all know why. It's because, you know, people that play franchise mode primarily play single player. They don't go online. They don't buy the ultimate team cards. And we all know at this point, the ultimate team is what drives all of the sports games. It makes them billions of dollars. Yeah, it does. But I don't know. I may, may pick up a Madden and hop online and play some people here in, in the next couple months. Well, we talked about the whole Jeopardy host situation a couple episodes ago, and, uh, you know, we kind of were disappointed with their final choice. But it turns out apparently a lot of people were and he's no longer having the job. He has stepped down. And uh, I we I guess we haven't really heard if they're going to still have the dual host thing, but we just know he's no longer doing it. And Mayim Bialik is still in place to do, I guess, at least for sure. The, the half of the episode they had talked about, we don't know the story on the other half yet. The, the sad thing is reports are saying from multiple sources at this point that LeVar Burden, who, you know, is the people's champion on this, the, the one most folks seem to want, never really had a shot at it, isn't being considered. That sucks. Yeah, that see, that's the weird thing to me because even let's say 
even of the people you had, let's say he was like the third or fourth best, right? So he wasn't really in contention for the top slot. From just a PR perspective, if you have the groundswell of people, and literally I've seen people on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, like people talking about how they were really excited to watch him and have him be a Jeopardy host, and they're really hoping he gets the job. I'm like, if you have that much popularity, that's got to be good for business, right? And you just didn't see that same groundswell for really any of the other candidates. Yeah, other than ones that I think were like, you know, like Aaron Rodgers, because he has Green Bay Packers yeah, fans. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. It, it surprises me how, on the one hand, these companies will say, well, this is all about business and, you know, budgets and blah, blah. And it's like, okay, cool. You have this person that is going to bring you viewers just because he exists. Right. Like, even if he's not great at it. Like, and from all reports, I, you know, everybody agrees that he was fine. Right. But even if he sucked, it's like a bunch of people are willing to tune in just because he's there. And people forget because Alex Trebek was the host for almost our entire you know lifetime. Yeah, as forty some odd year olds, he had to grow into the job too. Almost every host, you know, had. I mean, I'm sure if you watch Bob Barker's early episodes, Brad, you can find them. They're probably chiseled into stone. <laughs> Dude, I was literally about to say though about Drew Carey, right? The first right? like season or so, you could tell he kind of got to get used going in and out of commercials and how he spoke to the contestants and whatever. But then like. By season three on that he was there rocking around like you don't even like seriously if you watch now you have no idea he's not been the host the whole time exactly i think everybody stumbles a bit at the beginning for those of us that remember when they tried to do the nighttime prices right with uh doug davidson from young and the restless that was they never allowed him to get out of the awkward phase yeah that that was a little bit trying too much i don't think the nighttime crowd needed the prices right but the price is right is on. So when you're sick, you get your bowl of soup, you pull up to your TV, you watch your price is right, and then you take a nap. Like that's that's what price is right is there for. <laughs> I think that might have been their first because you know Bob was already kind of long in the tooth. That might have been their first attempt to try to figure out who should replace him, and all they figured out was it's not gonna be Doug Davidson. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they settle all this and which host they go with or not. But it is what just I'm a, hearing is at this point, it's Ken Jennings' job to lose. So we're just okay. I mean, at least Ken Jennings has a big following because of his history with the show. Yeah, so like I can at least accept that much more than the our previous dude. Because like, yeah, it seemed like nobody other than Mike Richards was really happy that Mike Richards had been named the host. That's exactly it. Like literally, no one. Nobody went like, oh, yeah, I remember this guy from this other show I liked. Yeah, everybody was like, eh, he was all right on this other show. Or like, yeah, yeah I didn't really care for him or whatever. So like, that's there before was, we found out he might be racist, <laughs> sexist, yeah. all the But there was nobody who really wanted him. And I was like, so there was obviously, this was just an internal decision that was already decided from the beginning. Like this whole parading around all these celebrities and having all these guest hosts or literally meant nothing. Because if you're, like I said, if it's a business decision, I would think as long as the person wasn't terrible, I'm going with somebody that already has a huge fan base or following. And like I said, Ken Jennings, totally reasonable decision. Like he's done a bunch of other things since Jeopardy. So people have kind of got to know him on other game shows and hosting stuff. Like he obviously has a history with Jeopardy being one of the 
winning as people and everything else. So it kind of makes sense. And that'll probably be a draw. If even for nothing else, that's a draw just for Jeopardy fans. Yeah. You know, so like makes sense. So if that's where they go, no problems with it. So it's kind of sucks we had to go through all this, but they're going to sounds like they're going to at least settle on a reasonable decision that people should be happy with. And while Sony is adamant that, you know, Richard, you know, he's the executive producer, didn't hire himself. Things are coming out and say, hey, while he didn't necessarily hire himself, he didn't really do anything as a producer to help anybody else look good on television. Yep. Oh, so in the world of content creation, there was some really big news out there. Yeah. As we said, this week was crazy. So... I, I almost had to go live with my OnlyFans site this week because <laughs> OnlyFans was about to bury themselves. They were about to go the way of Tumblr. Yeah. If, any, if anybody remembers that social media platform. And probably nobody does. But and, and the reason I bring up Tumblr, Tumblr kind of had the same thing. They had a very large, yeah, uh, we'll call it adult content community. And they went through a thing where they were like, okay, cool. We're going to cut all this out and their user base plummeted by numbers I saw or something like 70 to 80% in the matter of a couple of weeks. So yeah, that did them in for the most. I mean, they're still around. You can still find something, but a lot less useful than they used to be because people just aren't hanging out on it. Well, OnlyFans has apparently been having issues with financial institutions, processing payments and whatnot. And they were pretty much told like, hey, it's cool for now, but if you don't get rid of the sexual content, Life's about to get real hard for you. At least that's the way all the reports make it sound. So they had posted up, hey, coming up here shortly, we're going to ban all this sexual explicit content from our website. And of course, everybody was talking about it. People were trying to figure out what sites to go to. Other sites were promoting themselves. Different content creators were putting up resources for different people. Some were trying to get together so they could stay in touch and collaborate on wherever they end up. And then I saw just yesterday... There was news from OnlyFans saying they are suspending the banning of the sexual explicit content, which is a weird way to word that. But <laughs> right. that was the statement I saw. They are suspending the banning of sexually explicit content on their platform. The people responsible for the sacking have been sacked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something like that. Like, I, So it's such a weird timeline, man. That was like, it's been a roller coaster on that front for the better part of, I guess I'd call it like six or seven days now. So I don't I don't know what to even think of what's going on right now. It's also weird to me because I'm assuming the other, you know, adult content sites take the same credit cards that everybody else uses. So I don't understand the distinction. It's it's all about who's on whose radar, I guess. That's the only thing I can figure. You know, it's kind of the same way that we have here in the state of Washington. You've got legalized casinos literally like i can go shopping at some safeways and across the street go play blackjack like but i'm also in a state where we can't play like daily fantasy sports online it is yeah some of those distinctions are so very weird yeah literally state lottery i can go to poker rooms i can do all this stuff but i can't play daily fantasy like so how they make their decisions, I don't know. I'm sure it's all about money and who owns what. And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff going on there. But it's it's a wild situation because some people 
we're, you know, assuming, I think the way people interpret it is that says no more nudity on the website. And that's from everything I saw, because I tried to dig into it a little bit. That's not what OnlyFans announcement was saying. They basically were saying yeah. sexually explicit content. So basically acts of sex, utilizing your sex toys on camera, that type of stuff would not be allowed on the platform. From what I could find, if you're still posing in lingerie or you're a nude model or whatever, that's still going to be good enough at a fall under modeling, I guess, and was still going to be allowed. So for lack of a better term, there's not going to be all out boofing, but there's still, <laughs> there's, there's still be boobies. Yeah. yeah. And there was a great quote from, uh, you know, former magic content creator and a former, former podcast topic of discussion, Elizabeth Eden, who said a lot of people had, you know, been messaging her like, hey, are you, are you leaving the site? What are you going to do? And she's like, hey, no, nudity is still fine. And it's just, my titties are still out, y'all. The titties are still out. I mean, you know. You gotta let you, you gotta let your fans know. Yeah, I mean, I credit to her for just putting it out there like that. You know, like, hey, gotta let people know what's up. I mean, it's but it's I mean, it's, in all thing. seriousness, that is a thing a lot of people are having to discuss because if you're on any form of social media, like when Mixer, for example, shut down, a lot of people had to explain to their supporters, hey, you go to Twitch, you go into Facebook, what, what's gonna happen, and you would never know. How many people might decide, hey, they don't like other content platforms? That's a big decision. Yeah, for sure. And, and it, it, the whole situation is tough because, you know, we've talked about this on the show before. Like, I'm one of those people that if it's two consenting adults, whatever, man. Like, there are so many things that are non-sexual that people do daily that I could care less about. But, like, if it's all legal with consenting adults, then, like, I don't care. Like, I'm not trying to stop anybody from enjoying themselves or having fun or making money or whatever. Hell, I've got friends that still are trying to get me to go bungee jumping and skydiving or whatever else. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. But somebody's out there making money doing something I think is even more crazy than just showing their boobies out there. So right. whatever. Like, and I, again, I'm glad that nobody, you know, is going to have to find a different platform because let's be honest, adult content is what built OnlyFans. They do it. <laughs> That's yeah. why they, they didn't do this until they were forced to do it. Well, and let's be clear, like a bunch of people went to OnlyFans after the Tumblr situation. Right? So Tumblr I mean, is a cautionary tale where you can't just decide like, hey, you know, you've been, we, we've been, you know, Tumblr. Now we want to be Twitch. No, that doesn't work. You know? Yeah. It's been proven to not work. But, you know, all that means is I just had to put only hands on the back burner again. I'm sorry. I know you were already, you know, you had your purchase domain name or is that still uh, available for people? Nah, somebody already took it. I'd have to uh, get something else. But I don't know. I, I didn't think know you had actually it. checked. I didn't know how serious this had gotten. Somebody might have taken it just for spoof purposes to do something silly. So That's I'm true. People do that. Sad that it's gone. I have to come up with something else. All right, so I guess it was Wednesday morning. No, today's Wednesday. It was Tuesday morning that Wizards of the Coast decided they were going to do an announcement. And it was an early announcement for me on the West Coast. It went live at 8 a.m. So I got up early, 
And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to co-stream this thing, give some uh, reactions. And then actually, for those who missed it, I did do a pretty concise video covering all these things, recapping them, and then giving my reactions to all of them. So you can check that out on my YouTube channel. But there were a lot of damn products, man. They they yeah. literally announced the whole... Normally, they do like six-month chunks previously. They had their announcement days. But for this, their, their Magic 2021 showcase, I think is what they were calling it. They announced the whole year's worth of products. So I'm going to run down this list quickly, which, by the way, I'm reading this list because I was taking notes while it went live, not realizing how many things there were going to be. Right? It's the front <laughs> and the back of an envelope that was sitting in front of me. So as far as organized play go, they did talk about FNM still being a thing. Uh, store championships, which are cool because they're going to make promos that have the store name on them which this is cool for me because that's an idea we had pitched years ago and they had worked on ways to do it, but it just didn't make sense when to roll it out. So they're bringing back the store championships. You will be able to get promos that are customized to each store, which I think is pretty cool because I don't know if those are going to have extra value or less or people are going to try to collect the most of them as possible or who knows what. So kind of a cool thing. Innistrad will have a double feature product that comes out, I guess, after the second one. So I'd assume around December where you're going to get to booster draft with packs that have a mix of both sets and some other cool cards in there that we don't know what those are yet. Historic Brawl is going to be a thing, 100 cards, and it's going to be available all the time. So you don't have to just play 60 cards, you can play 100 cards. Yeah, that was my reaction. Like, people have been asking this forever for, gosh, I don't know, the better part of like a year, it feels like. They're finally making that a thing. Arena Open, they're going to have some that are going to be drafts coming up in the next year. So that's going to be a thing. Uh, Commander Collection Black, not a surprise because we just did the green one. I assume we're going to go through all the colors at some point. They're going to have Challenger decks that are Pioneer, not just Standard. The Standard ones are still going to come out, from what I'm told, around April. But they're going to have some Pioneer ones coming out soon. So if you want to hop into that format, awesome. Also means that Wizards is still going to have a focus on making that a thing in paper. So I assume events will be coming for those at some point in the future. Uh, New MTG Comic Book. Uh, what else we have? A big super drop that I think is already live now, went live during the announcement. There's Commander Legends, Baldur's Gate, which is going to be late next year, I think they said. Uh, Jumpstart 2022, which 46 new themes are going to be in there. Uh, Double Masters 22, not a surprise. I sort of expected that was going to be on the horizon sooner or later. Unfinity, which will be their next unset, which I think is the fifth unset that they've done. And this one will actually have shocklands which is pretty cool so that's going to be a driver for that product then we had a visual hit this is the first time i'm probably going to buy a magic book actually they're doing a planes of the multiverse visual history so kind of tell you about the different places they've been the important characters some of the artwork and the look from them uh, what i kind of described is what sounds like is the so far the best like magic coffee table book they've made about the history of the game with like the story more than the game itself so that's gonna be kind of cool then there's, uh, gosh, what else do we have? Oh, the universe is beyond. They talked about that. Right. So there's the, the commander say we got to talk about Fortnite for 40k. The Lord of the Rings set actually won't be next summer set, which we all thought it was. It's going to come out in 2023, and then they're going to do Fortnite and Street Fighter as secret layers. So those are going to be a thing. People and Chun Li's car. Even if I would, even if I was opposed to the product, they would have won me over with this. Sean Lee's card has multi-kicker, as it oh, should. Dude. Literally, as soon as they saw that, my first thought was, if this damn thing doesn't have multi-kicker, and then he said it, and I was like, damn right. Like, yeah, <laughs> mic drop. Yep. But yeah, the only thing I'm going to say about this is, like, people being mad about the Fortnite cards, like, 
come on. Like, who cares? Like, people were mad about The Walking Dead. We don't even see those cards played anywhere right now. Right. People were mad about Godzilla cards. They were totally fine. Like, this isn't and a by thing. By the way, anymore. Godzilla cards are not only fine, they were on theme because they dropped in a set about giant, basically, kaijus. Yeah, it's like, this isn't a thing. And we've seen that each of those attempts have actually brought more people into the game. And right. that's the goal of this. I will tell you, a couple weekends ago, I shared this story uh, on a stream the other day, but I, for the first time, saw that there was even Fortnite trading cards. I didn't even know that was a thing, but apparently they sell decently. So there's a market for this. Yeah. Not for us, not for me, but if it gets somebody else who's adjacent to the game or digital gaming or whatever to be interested in Magic, great. Let them go buy a set. Like, doesn't matter. I mean, and don't I'm, gatekeep if some somebody comes into your shop with their Fortnite or Street Fighter cards. Don't be true. that player, please. And and real talk, I'm probably gonna buy both. I'm probably gonna right. buy. I'm gonna buy Fortnite because there's a chance that it's less purchased than some of the others, and that's gonna make yeah. it more valuable. Street Fighter because that's just sweet, and I like Multi Street Fighter. So yeah, you, whatever. You can't be sold at multi kicker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm in. Uh, more stuff. There was. Pinfinity announcement, they're making some collectible pins for Magic the Gathering, so that was a thing. And apparently, if you sign up for their thing to buy the pins through a subscription, you get into drawings to get, like, booster boxes and stuff. Then they announced the four standard sets, which are Kamigawa Neon Destiny, which looks crazy. It's like 2,000 years in the future Kamigawa. Um, Streets of New Capenna, which is like a mob boss theme based around the color shards. So there's a chance, there's a chance we get the other five triomes in there. So that'd be pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, Dominary, Dominary United, which is going to be their 30th anniversary set. And the Brothers War, to kind of finish off the year, uh, that's going to be Urza and Mishra, the story we kind of were told forever ago. We actually got to see it unfold now in a magic set. Then they showed some new Ultra Pro items. And then they finished out the thing talking about the Netflix animated series that's supposed to come in the second half of 2022. And we got uh, Superman, or a Superman. Yeah, we do have Superman doing the voice of Gideon. Yep, that's <laughs> Brandon Ruth. A more fun of the Superman, by the way. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that was a lot of stuff, man. That was a crap ton of stuff. But it was cool to know. I, I think from a business perspective, though, it's cool to know about that because people can plan some of their content. Uh, retailers can plan purchases and know who to even pitch products to, knowing what's coming. So there's there's some good benefits to doing that. And I think it also is good for Wizards because they don't have to plan to do these announcements every three or six months. They can just say, hey, here's everything coming for the next 12 months plus. And then they don't even have to worry about it. They can just buckle down and do it. Now, I will say, people were upset. Like, how come they didn't say more about organized play? Because, bruh, there's nothing to say. Like, here's the thing. Like, people are saying, well, they should at least let us know what they're going to do. Like, why they don't know what they're going to do at this point no but but even if they have a plan like let's say okay we want to reintroduce nationals and this and that and the other all that's going to do is lead to more people complaining about when or what countries or how the invites are going to be and blah blah and they can't promise you that because they don't even know what countries you will be able to play in or go to or gather in or whatever right now like literally like and we've talked about it before when people try to compare to other games like Flesh and Blood, for example, that's trying to do like their Grand Prix equivalent here in a couple of weeks, they don't have the same things at stake that Wizards of the Coast does. Like you have them, Hasbro, literally multinational hell conglomerates. Like they can't 
risk people getting mass sick at their events. And on top of that, we've already seen before when people complain about one country getting more invites than another country and this, that, and the other, it'd only be exacerbated if you try to do events during COVID. Now, could you do stuff digitally? Sure, but we're kind of doing that already anyway. Like you can still qualify for the top 1200, you can play in these different Star City events, win invites, whatever. Then you still have your different championship things at the end of each set and all that stuff. Like that's still a thing, it sounds like. Doesn't look sound like those are going away. But people want to know about something in paper, and I don't think we're going to hear anything if I were guessing. Well, at least until we start getting that we go back down on COVID cases. That's that's the start. So until that happens, which it looks like that's at least a couple months away right now, we're probably not going to hear anything. So to expect that, I don't know what you want. Like you, you literally got about the much as they could say right now. Like if you, you can go to your local store, we're going to be giving your store things. And in the interim, we're going to bring back store championships. That's probably about all they can promise without it just coming out crazy with stuff they either would have to change again, which people would complain about, have some stuff that isn't equally distributed among different countries or who knows what. Like, it's just a bad time to try to do international paper event. Hell, we saw even for the esports events, like, oh, they, yeah, they do stuff like, hey, we fly everybody to this country and we do this thing. They're not even doing that right now. And even the no, time they Evo did was not in person. I haven't seen hardly any. <laughs> As somebody, you know, that covers these events from time to time, everybody is the, the most popular words in gaming right now, electronic and paper are coming in 2022. Yeah. The Everything only thing I saw, I want to say it was maybe a League of Legends event where they took all the qualified people, they COVID tested them or whatever, and they like were basically quarantined to play their thing. And that's it. That's the only thing I know of where people have gotten together to do these big events because you just can't right now. And there definitely wasn't like the big stadium audience watching or anything like that. So like, I don't, I, I think my problem is none of these people that are complaining have really clearly articulated what they expect. Cause like, like I said, they could make an announcement and just say, well, here's what we want to do, but we're just in a holding pattern. And then what does that lead to? Just people griping about stuff or complaining about the thing or whatever, even though there's no way for them to enact it. Like, why would if you were a wizard, why would you even put yourself through that? Or your employees through that? Like, I wouldn't. So, yeah, I think we're just in a spot where there's, there's we just won't be able to do much with paper right now. Like, and as you we can, said previously, Flesh and Blood's plan is to try to take advantage of Magic not being there. We understand the plan. Yeah, but it's I don't a thing it. Magic doesn't have to do when you're when you're number one. You don't have to take those risks. Yeah, nor should you. I would argue. I agree. I think it would be a bad move for them to do it. But like I said before, it makes sense for Flesh and Blood to say like, "Hey, this is one of the few times." We will probably have where the market is this empty. There's no big magic events, no big Pokemon events, no big Yu-Gi-Oh events. Like you just go down the list, right? So if you want to make a splash, at least among the competitive crowd, this is a way we can do it. Now, I think they still have to find a way to be kind of casually relevant for a long period of time. I think that's going to be their real difficult thing. But at least you can try to do this in the competitive market for now. But Wizards doesn't have to do that. And they're not going to. 
It's not worth the risk. It's not not just even for just the legal standpoint, but like for their employees and everything else. It's just like, why? It's a big chunk of money, a big chunk of time. And now it has a big health risk for them. There's no reason to do it. When they can just wait, see how things look in another two months and then go, okay, now it looks like maybe this country, this country, this country is starting to get their stuff together. We can start plotting that, okay, four months from now, maybe we can start doing public events again. And then you can set that on your radar. But until then, and I'll be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if they were close to make an announcement back around May or June when stuff started to look all right. But then here in the last six, eight weeks, things got real bad. And it was like, ah, maybe we just wait. Because that's what I would do. It's the safest thing. It's the right thing to do. It might not be the most fun thing, but at, from a COVID safety standpoint, it's the right thing. Yep. And let's be honest. Ain't nobody having trouble selling magic cards right now. No. Like, if anything, there's people upset they can't get more magic cards to sell. So, and can we end this after Wizards just announced 72 new products in paper? Can we quit with this conspiracy theory that they're trying to kill paper magic? Oh, paper ain't going nowhere. Like I, like I said before, if you look at how much they're spending and investing and helping retailers and that and the other and upgrading their retail locator and making new tournament software and doing all this like that, I know what those costs are. I've been in the walls. And it's multiple millions. And if they're willing to spend that still, that means it's still a relevant part of the business. Because otherwise, you could just save that, <laughs> make your books look better, and just let the stores go away. Like, that's not part of their game plan. I promise you 100%. I, I am even willing to say openly, anybody who says that and believes it, you're dumb. <laughs> well, there you go. I thought he was going to be subtle, but no. No, you are. Like you, you, you were just speaking without thinking, because there is every single indication. Like, like we said before, through the pandemic, they literally sent millions of dollars worth of product that they just printed and gave to retailers. Like, they didn't have to do that. They did not. They could have been like, you know what? F it. If we want the stores to go away, COVID is going to be a hard time. Let's let some of them just die off. Yeah, if you wanted you know, to, to just let stores start dying, now is the time where you could have just been could have just been like Thanos. I'm sorry, little one. Yeah, they printed more promo cards, you know, that they didn't have to print just to encourage people to make purchases. Like they were, they started adding the retail locator thing to more products, and I even saw on, online there's on more of their sites now. So like, hey, click here to find your local game store, or whatever, right? If now, don't get me wrong. They're still selling stuff online and whatever. And yeah, that's a thing. But like, if they wanted the retailers gone, they could save so many millions of dollars. Dead serious. They could save millions by just not sending them any more stuff. But that's not part of the plan. It's just not. Like, again, and I, and I said this probably about 10 or 12 episodes ago, but just the simple argument you can have for somebody is, Imagine being somebody at Hasbro and you have to make the decision to say, okay, we're getting rid of paper magic. And let's say for whatever reason, everything's going great. Arena's making tons of money. The movie, TV show, whatever, Netflix is going well and magic's worth like a billion dollars. Well, if paper makes up and let's say paper shrinks and paper's only worth like 300,000 of that billion or whatever, 300 million of that billion. 
where are you going to get back $300 million worth of stuff? Right. You have to justify if we cut off the, and that's if it dropped. Like paper magic's probably still worth half a million or half a billion dollars. I bet you it's around 500 million when, when we get another couple of years down the road at the rate it's going. Like at some point, you have to justify where do I get that other, like I said, three, four, five hundred million dollars. Like, sure, you can try to justify, well, Arena's doing well and this is doing well. Okay, cool. But why don't we just also have that extra 300 million? Right. Right. They're not just going to get rid of it. Like, it doesn't make sense. That That's a number that's bigger than so many companies make every year. For reals. They're not and just going to give it. that up. Just talking about money, this is an industry in which a piece of cardboard can, can rise to being worth thousands of dollars. You don't get out of that business. You, <laughs> you kiss the ground that you walk on that you were lucky enough to buy into that business. Think about this, like six or seven years ago, I think it was when they raised Wizards of the Coast to being one of their friend magic to being one of their franchise brands, which, by the way, at this rate, D&D is probably headed that direction as well at Hasbro. Look at all the other franchise brands when you're looking at Transformers, Monopoly, you know, that level of stuff like My Little Pony, whatever. They make more things for those products, not less. There's action figures jewelry bed sheets you know like animated shows like whatever they're not trying to cut parts out they're trying to add parts to it so to think they're just going to want to let a whole arm go that's making hundreds of millions of dollars is just a lack of understanding of how business works you don't buy a tv show for something you're trying to downsize no, it's it's the same people when when Wizards bought D&D back around 2000. People are like, oh, they're just buying it to kill it off so they don't have competition. TSR was already freaking dying on the vine. Like they could have just let it go away. Right. But no, they had a plan. And over, what we've seen over the last 20 years has become a gigantic nerd brand. So like, like I said, every time I hear somebody say that, the, my first thought is this person's just ignorant. They don't they either don't understand business or they just don't even understand what they're looking at. Because there's zero reason paper is going to go away, at least not for the foreseeable future. Like paper would have to become something like 10 percent or less of the value of magic for them to want to cut it out. I think it would have to be just a big old pie and paper just became more trouble than it's worth. You know, something to that level. Between like the cost of paper and shipping and employees, like there would have to be just some weird circumstance for that to happen in less than the next, I would think, probably 10 years at this point. So I just don't think it's going anywhere. But that said, you know, lots of cool announcements, lots of awesome stuff coming. Yes, there's some stuff I like, some stuff I didn't, but that's cool. I'm good with that. I think it's neat that there's something for everybody. And you even seen people say, ah, I really hate this. But I, going, I think it's kind of cool. Or people telling stories of like, well, I could see how my kids would like that thing or whatever. And that's exactly the point. They want as many products for as many different people throughout the course of a year. And I think their slate of stuff is going to get it done. Now that brings us to our dinner table segment here. And this topic's kind of hard to quantify in a lot of ways. 
But I know I've seen some of this, and I don't know how much you've seen, Brian, but I've also seen this come up for people on social media where there's a cool project or conversation or presentation of a thing by a person of color. And then a bunch of people kind of jump on and immediately tell them like, oh, you need to do more of this or you need to get this out more often or there needs to be more of this thing. Not realizing that in a lot of those cases, it's already difficult for you to do that thing. Whether that's because there's fewer people sharing your perspective, there's fewer people for you to work with, there's less exposure. Hell, like if you're on Twitch, you know, you're dealing with the hate raids or whatever, right? There's all these things that are happening. And it's like, you can't just magically as a person of color produce more content. I mean, I, I thought about this just earlier today, right? I have fortunately been able to work with some of the big magic content creators, right? I've done stuff with Tolerant Community College. I've done some stuff with Covert Go Blue. Just recently, I did some stuff with uh, Dev over at SBMTG. But I've also been excluded from a lot of the small to mid-level stuff. Like, I've had to reach out to some of these people and, like, pitch ideas to work with them. But there's been small group projects, like, collaborative things or whatever, tournaments for streamers, whatever, that I never even got invited to. I never even got a message. You know, so just, and I'm not, and don't get me wrong, I'm not here, I'm not mad about it, but when people come forward and be like, you should do more of this, or you should be involved with this, or whatever, I'm like, hey, I'm already doing everything I can. Like, hell, I literally am doing everything I can. I mean, I'm streaming five or six days a week sometimes. I've got this podcast. I'm doing YouTube stuff. Sometimes I'm doing commentary. I'm writing stuff periodically. Still active on social media. Like, I don't know what else you want me to do. Like, and there's other people, even with bigger platforms, handling even more stuff than I am. And I see people, you know, they'll do a good think piece or something, or they'll have a good PSA where it's like, oh, yeah, we need you putting out more stuff like this and whatever. And it's like, have you seen this person slate of work already? And it's tough because I get it. It might be new to you. You haven't seen that person before or whatever. And it seems fresh and awesome and you want more of it. But like, help them out. Get some of your people in your space to promote them or people like them or whatever. Make it easier for more of that content to come up. Or they're at least not the only one carrying that burden for everybody. Like that would go a long way. And, it, and it, I admit it, it depends on your genre, right? Because I'm sure for you, Brian, like there's a fair amount of black dudes I know that play Madden. Absolutely. So it's probably different over there. But like, have you seen that similar thing come up at times? I mean, I I have not, but then uh, me and you are kind of (laughs) at uh, different levels in terms of uh, probably the the amount of people looking at our content. So, hey, you know, that's fair. I'll also say this part of it. It comes up uh, for those of you that didn't see it. You might be able to check out Elliot of the Veil's Twitter page or Twitch page. It might still be up from three weeks ago. We did a uh, a commander pod that was just four people of color. And in the middle of it, we kind of just decided we were going to just make it very candid. And we started talking about different topics and our upbringing and our parents. And it was a thing that I think chat was not expecting. But then they kind of got into it more. The conversation went on. And a lot of people are kind of, oh, we need more of this or whatever. And it's like, well, that's cool. But we're all doing things. And there's not like it's this whole pile of people of color 
one that even exist in the game, but doing content, but also that have a following and are people that y'all want to listen to. Because I know even for myself, I have people who didn't follow me or didn't care about my content or whatever that are now on board now that I'm bigger and more active or I've been, I guess, for lack of a better term, I've been uh, accepted or greenlit by some of their favorite creators. You know, and it's like, well, okay, sure. My content's no different today than it was yesterday, but all right. You know, like, I mean, is what it is. I mean, and and here's the worst part about it. I don't think it's anybody doing anything purposely or maliciously or whatever. I just think it's just a lack of awareness more than anything else. I don't think anybody's come to me and just been like, you, you need to be the one to do it. It's just like, no, just like they saw something of mine they thought was cool. And they were like, hey, I'd like to see more of this. Go make it. You know, and it's like, it doesn't work like that. Hell, this week I was trying to get out, like I said, the recap video from the Wizards thing. And I felt rushed to get that out the door. And I wasn't even like super happy with the end result, but it was the best I could do with the time I had. And it was fine. People liked it. So, I mean, I guess it's okay. But I just think a lot about how hard it's been sometimes to get your foot in the door with certain projects or get involved with certain things. And I kind of get it when it's about the size of your platform. So I do understand, like when I go work with somebody who's got a bigger reach, I'm getting a bigger benefit than they're getting unless, and this is why I pitch ideas is like, Hey, if we do this topic, I can bring something cool to your, your program or to your website or to your YouTube channel or whatever, by bringing a perspective or some different ideas or whatever. Cool. And that, and that, if anything, as a side note, I think that's what people who want to collaborate should learn is that just asking to collab with somebody and not really bringing anything to the table is not really encouraging for them to want to work with you. Cause I've gotten that even as I've grown and I'm not even that big yet. So I can only imagine if you know, you're one of these platforms with a hundred thousand subscribers or whatever, or followers or whatever that people are going to want to work with you. But even like I said, when I worked with Dev recently, you know, he's got, I think, 120,000 subscribers or something over 100K. Like I was like, hey, here's some topics we could do. I think it would be cool if we did this. I know my people would like hearing about this thing or whatever. And we talked it out, and went and did some content. When I've had people just recently, I had somebody send me a thing on Discord like, hey, would you be willing to do this thing with me? And, you know, I only have. 40, 000, or 40 subscribers or whatever. And I'm like, okay, but what would you be wanting to do? I mean, like, I don't like, which is fine. Cause I'm, I'm called for helping somebody else out. I've done people's podcasts and other things that don't have a reach or whatever, but it's like, I, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's mentality, man. Cause I told you when I started working with ultra pro, it was the same thing. I presented a whole piece of information to them and they said outright, they don't ever get that much information from anybody. And I'm just like, how? Like, you want this to be a deal. You want it to be a business thing. Like, why wouldn't I want to present stuff that way? So you know what you're getting. I know what I'm getting. But it's always interesting to just see how, like, somebody gets something new introduced to them. And they're like, okay, I need you to go make way more of this. And it's like, we, I just can't, man. I want to, but I can't. I'm already pushing so hard just to get exposure. Like, there's nothing else. I mean, hell, I was joking around about this whole like, 
boxer briefs review. And I'm like, I don't even know if I could do that right now if I wanted to. And only <laughs> hands. <laughs> exactly. And only hand. I ain't got time to manage only hands. But like, it's an idea. It's something I could probably turn into a little something and be funny and have some fun with it, make a few bucks. But like, I, there's just no time, man. It's it's crazy. And I, and I see you trying to come up too on YouTube, man. You're, you're putting out videos. Hell, you put out more videos this week than I think I've seen you put out in that window of time. Yeah, I mean, the, the Madden stuff is doing pretty well. And, of course, there's a million different things going on. It's definitely trending. So That's good, man. I'm, I'm glad you're getting a little bit of rub there. I think it's cool. But, yeah, like I said, it's just what I'm saying. And even if it's not a person of color, I think it's just, like, your content creators as a whole. Like, just try to be aware or cognizant of just, like, the things they're talking about and the things they're dealing with and the things they're going through, because that affects not just the amount of content, but the quality of their content too. I mean, I saw recently there's another magic streamer, MTG Jeff. He was talking about how not even just with the game of magic, but like the YouTube rat race, if you want to call it that, that he feels the need compelled to like keep putting out these videos to try to keep up and do all this stuff. And he's kind of, you can tell he's getting to burnout point a little bit. Yeah. And I, I just posted like, Hey dude, if you want to talk, like send me a thing, I have some ideas. Cause I've, I do some stuff for myself just to make sure I can have a little time when I need it. Like this weekend, I have the thing coming up, uh, friends doing a, uh, engagement party. And it's obviously going to be a very small gathering. So I can't like not be there. So I'm going to do some stuff. So I still have daily videos, but I'll get it done. And then I'm just going to relax for the weekend. Eh, mostly I'll be doing some fantasy football drafting because it's that mm -hmm. time of year on my phone. But, you know, it would just be that type type of thing. I'll get to relax. I won't be worried about my magic content other than maybe posting a couple of social things to let people know it exists. But that's kind of how I stay ahead of it. But it's it's tough on everybody out here, man. Like there's a we're all trying to do the thing we can to grow our platforms and our networks. You know, don't think that like, we're not trying to make the best content, but the best thing you can do is one, let them know if they make something awesome that you enjoy. And then if nothing else, share it with people you think that will also enjoy it. That's the biggest thing you can do for somebody. And I'll stand by that. Like people sharing my stuff with people they know like you, you're already endorsing a thing for somebody else who already trusts your opinion. So that already makes the content you're sharing worth more. And otherwise, we've talked about it before because of how people deal with content, how the algorithms work and whatever. They may never see it if you don't share it with them. Like I literally met the I have over 700 and I think 50 videos now. And there are people that have no idea I make magic content that have been playing magic forever, watching magic on YouTube or whatever, and will still never see my video. Like, hell, I had somebody, several people, because the video I did with Dev, they came over, started following my thing. And our content is very similar vibe and everything else, but for whatever reason, until I was there, they never knew I existed. So if you're not sharing it, you're not helping your favorite people out. Whether that's me or Brian or anybody else. All right, Brian, why don't you tell people where they can find you on social media? All right. I am DL Caesar on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and our family channel on YouTube is Alads Ever After. 
And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. You can get YouTube videos every single day or catch me streaming on Facebook Gaming or over on Twitch. And as always, I just got to say, wherever you are listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please take care of you, yourself, your family out there with all the craziness in the world. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 